Amen. It's great to be in the house of the Lord tonight. I love Sunday evening church. Grew up going to church on Sunday evenings, and I'm going to die going to church on Sunday evenings. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 1? I believe in the sovereignty of God. A sovereignty that is not subject to my understanding. A sovereignty that is not affected by my understanding. And in this sovereignty, I find rest that one would struggle to explain unless one found place there. Ephesians 1, verse 11, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will. The message paraphrase reads, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose He is working out in everything and everyone. The J.B. Phillips New Testament reads, the one who achieves his purposes by his sovereign will. It's not easy for humankind to let go and take rest in God's sovereignty. In fact, we struggle against it. The flesh wars against it. The soul wars against it. The mind, will, and emotions. We like questions answered, don't we? And so we struggle to let go and take rest in God's sovereignty. We want an explanation. And so strange theologies have been conjured and plagued thinking embraced. We want to fully understand before we commit to another's dominion. I need to understand it. I need the explanation. I need to know all things. And so humanity struggles to let go, to surrender to the sovereignty of God, to find rest in the sovereignty of God. I wonder, do we believe words like the ones found in Romans 8, 28? And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Or how about Matthew 10, verses 29 to 31? Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. 
You are of more value than many sparrows. If I have a good father, a heavenly father, one in whom there is no shadow of turning, one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the one whose work is perfect and all his ways just, I ask the question tonight, can I not find rest in his sovereignty? Oh, when all is well, it's easy to rest in the sovereignty of God. And yet, when trial, for instance, comes, so does the enemy of our souls to question the sovereignty of God, to question the sovereignty of our Father, to even ridicule it and even mock His dominion. I'd say to all of us here tonight that it's in these moments that we have to lay down our heads for a battle rages in the space of human understanding. Charles Spurgeon said these words, when you go through a trial, the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which you lay your head. R.C. Sproul, there is not one piece of cosmic dust that is outside the scope of God's sovereign providence. Jonathan Edwards, absolute sovereignty is what I love to ascribe to God. God's sovereignty has ever appeared to me a great part of His glory. It has often been my delight to approach God and adore Him as a sovereign God. Do we approach Him as the sovereign one? Or do we approach Him questioning His sovereignty? I wonder, do we believe in the sovereignty of God? And one perhaps would be quick to salute the sovereignty of God. Many would be quick to perhaps salute the sovereignty of God. But how many believe in it? R.C. Sproul said these words, most Christians salute the sovereignty of God, but believe in the sovereignty of man. Note that he said most Christians. Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17, For by him all things were created, that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. What better place to find rest than in and on the sovereignty of God? Isaiah 45, verses 7 to 9, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. Rain down, you heavens, from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open. Let them bring forth salvation. And let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe to him who strives with his maker. Let the potsherds strive with the potsherds of the earth. 
Shall the clay say to him who forms it, what are you making? Or shall your handiwork say, he has no hands? You know, I've thought of this many times in my life, and I've witnessed it many times in my life, as I'm sure many here tonight have. Why are some so at peace and so at rest in the midst of chaos? Why are some so at peace and so at rest in the midst of calamity and struggle and trial? Why are some unmoved and some unfazed? Why are some as true in these times and moments as in times and moments of serenity? And the answer is, it's because they have found perfect rest in the sovereignty of their God. And they not only salute it, but believe in it. Isaiah 26, verse 3, you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And so we could ask the question tonight, what is it that we are resting our minds upon? Resting our heads upon when understanding fails us? Is the sovereignty of God the pillow upon which we lay our heads? Listen to these words. Those who understand God's sovereignty have joy, even in the midst of suffering. A joy reflected on their very faces, for they see that their suffering is not without purpose. Resting in and on the sovereignty of God. Again, as I mentioned at the beginning, humankind is reluctant, has a hard time with letting go. And trusting in and resting in the sovereignty of God. And yes, these words, there is no attribute of God more comforting to his children than the doctrine of divine sovereignty. Under the most adverse circumstances, in the most severe troubles, they believe that sovereignty hath ordained their afflictions, that sovereignty overrules them, and that sovereignty will sanctify them all. I wonder would we struggle with words such as these? A.W. Pink. No revolving world, no shining of star, no storm. No creature moves, no actions of men, no errands of angels, no deeds of devil. Nothing in all the vast universe can come to pass otherwise than God has eternally purposed. Here is a foundation of faith. Here is a resting place for the intellect. Here is an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast. It is not blind fate, unbridled evil, man or devil, but the Lord Almighty who is ruling the world ruling it according to his own good pleasure for his own eternal glory. And I can hear one say, well, what about the free will of man? What of it? 
Does that negate the sovereignty of God? The free will of man? Do you believe that the free will of man negates the sovereignty of God? You know, I'm a father. There are fathers in the house. There are mothers in the house. If I am a father and the head of a home, a home over which I am sovereign, does the free will of my child negate my sovereignty? Think about it tonight. Ah, but you say, how are you sovereign if they're the ones choosing? Thank you for asking. The very fact that they have choice proves my sovereignty. The very fact that they have choice is a result of my sovereignty. It's so true to say that God's sovereignty is limited by man's freedom is to make man sovereign. I mean, the reality is not one of us can fully comprehend the sovereignty of God, for it is far beyond the temporal sovereignty of any human being. I use the example of myself as a father. You could use your example, you as yourself. You're a boss over a place of occupation. You're the business owner. You're sovereign. But the sovereignty of God is so far beyond what we can comprehend. It's so far beyond the sovereignty of any human being. 1 Timothy 6, verses 12 to 16, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things. And before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing, which he will manifest in his own time. He who is the blessed and potentate that is sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality. Dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to him to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. The Passion Translation reads, He is the exalted God, the only powerful one, the King over every king and the Lord of power. He alone is the immortal God, living in the unapproachable light of divine glory. No one has ever seen his fullness, nor can they. For all the glory and endless authority of the universe belongs to him forever and ever. Amen. The Voice Bible, blessed is the sovereign one. Blessed is the only sovereign one, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He alone possesses immortality. He makes his home in matchless, blinding, brilliant light that no one can approach. No mortal has ever seen him and no human can. So let it be that all honor and eternal power are his. Amen. The book of Revelation, 
Chapter 19, verse 16, he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. You see, the reality is we can't see everything from where we are standing. Yet all can be seen from above. And so, humankind, humanity struggles to let go and let God be sovereign. Because we just can't see everything. We don't get it all. The truth is we don't get it all. And so I ask, where else can you find rest but on the pillow of God's sovereignty? Search your whole life. Mine for it. Pine for it. Run after it. Where else can you find rest? Resting on the sovereignty of God. It's right there where true rest is found. A rest that can be found no other place. It's a rest that is supernatural, a rest we cannot fully comprehend, and yet we can fully know. I want to ask a question tonight. Why do we need to understand everything? I mean, if Father God came to you tonight and said, why do you need to understand everything? How would you respond? Do we need to understand everything so we might, I don't know, feel more control? Because we don't like to let go of control, do we? I mean, think of the peace of God. We love the peace of God. It's His sovereign work that surpasses and transcends human understanding. It's far beyond human understanding. Why do we need to understand everything? The reality is I can't really explain the peace of God. Because it surpasses human understanding. And so I try and explain it. I had a conversation just the other night. An individual called me, non-believer, questioning what's going on in the world, wars and these things, you know. He said, I grew up a Catholic, and I've been a Catholic all my life. I'm not really a practicing Catholic, but... I'm a Catholic. I didn't know there was such a thing. But then again, there are many Christians that are, you know, not really practicing Christianity. So I guess it's in name only. But he said, I grew up a Catholic, and 
You know, I've struggled with my faith over the years, and this individual, I mean, he's in his 60s. Smart man, business owner. I've struggled with it. And I pray that you pardon the reference tonight, but these were his words. The phone conversation went like this. I struggle with it. Like, what's going on over there, you know? Russia invading Ukraine. Well, how are you supposed to answer that? Like, if God's good, why does he let these things happen? Innocent people are going to die. And then he went on to tell me this story about this young boy that they had brought in to their family, and he was struggling with things. And However the story played out, he apparently tried to take his life, and, uh, or was about to, and, and it was stopped. And then, you know, everything seemed okay, and I, I believe he said it was a week or two later, the boy died in a car accident and, like, he said, you're a man of God, so, you know, how do you explain that? And so we started talking about things, and finally we got to this point, and I just said, you know, I don't really have an answer but what the Holy Spirit is saying. And what he's saying is, God has allowed free will to exist in this world. And honestly, it went dead silent, and he said, you're blowing my mind. I have never thought of that. I don't know why he had never thought of it, but it hit him. He asked where the church was. Apparently, he's going to come. I've been texting him, so we're believing for that. But then I asked him a question. I said, you know, the free will, like, what would you call God if he told you exactly what to do? And he said, Putin. And I said, well, there you go. You just answered your own question. Resting in the sovereignty of God. Tozer's illustration. Please listen to these words. Another real problem created by the doctrine of the divine sovereignty has to do with the will of man. If God rules his universe by his sovereign decrees, how is it possible for man to exercise free choice? If he cannot exercise freedom of choice, how can he be held responsible for his conduct? Is he not a mere puppet? whose actions are determined by a behind-the-scenes God who pulls the strings as it pleases him? The attempt to answer these questions has divided the Christian church neatly into two camps, which have borne the names of two distinguished theologians, Jacobus Arminius and John Calvin. Most Christians are content to get into one camp or the other and deny either sovereignty to God or free will to man. It appears possible, however, to reconcile these two positions without doing violence to either, although the effort that follows may prove deficient to partisans of one camp or the other. Here is my view. 
God sovereignly decreed that man should be free to exercise moral choice. And man from the beginning has fulfilled that decree by making his choice between good and evil. When he chooses to do evil, he does not thereby countervail the sovereign will of God, but fulfills it. Inasmuch as the eternal decree decided not which choice the man should make, but that he should be free to make it. If in his absolute freedom God has willed to give man limited freedom, who is there to stay his hand or say, What doest thou? Man's will is free because God is sovereign. A God less than sovereign could not bestow moral freedom upon his creatures. He would be afraid to do so. Perhaps a homely illustration might help us to understand. An ocean liner leaves New York bound for Liverpool. Its destination has been determined by proper authorities. Nothing can change it. This is at least a faint picture of sovereignty. On board the liner are several scores of passengers. These are not in chains. Neither are their activities determined for them by decree. They are completely free to move about as they will. They eat, sleep, play, lounge about on the deck, read, talk, all together as they please. But all the while, the great liner is carrying them steadily onward toward a predetermined port. Both freedom and sovereignty are present here, and they do not contradict each other. So it is, I believe, with man's freedom and the sovereignty of God. The mighty liner of God's sovereign design keeps its steady course over the sea of history. God moves undisturbed and unhindered toward the fulfillment of those eternal purposes which he purposed in Christ Jesus before the world began. We do not know all that is included in those purposes, but enough has been disclosed to furnish us with a broad outline of things to come and to give us good hope and firm assurance of future well-being. You know, I don't have answers for everything, but I'm at rest because I have the answer. I ask tonight, what are you laying the space of your thoughts upon? You know, perhaps today you would lay it upon the pillow of God's sovereignty. And what of the fears that we face? What of the fear of uncertainty and unknowns? Well, as John Piper stated, the presence of hope in the invincible sovereignty of God drives out fear. Why are you so at rest in the midst of chaos, calamity? Because I'm at rest on the sovereignty of God. First John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. 
because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Quite the words. The Amplified Bible, there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. You know, I wish people would understand, I wish we would all understand how serious this is, that it's dangerous to question the sovereignty of God. It's a dangerous thing to question the sovereignty of our Father. Jonathan Edwards said these words, the sovereignty of God is the stumbling block on which thousands fall and perish. If we go contending with God about His sovereignty, It will be our eternal ruin. We know the questions that arise. What are some of the questions that arise? Well, why do these things happen? Or why are these things allowed? On and on, questions such as these. The struggle with the sovereignty of God has driven many to hatred. Charles Spurgeon said these words, No doctrine in the the whole word of God has more excited the hatred of mankind than the truth of the absolute sovereignty of God. I'll read it again. No doctrine in the whole word of God has more excited the hatred of mankind than the truth of the absolute sovereignty of God. Do you believe in the sovereignty of God? I would like to say this tonight. God is sovereign, and His sovereignty does not negate our responsibility. I've had questions brought forth. I've had conversations with individuals. Well, if God's sovereign and He's got it all figured out and He predestined some to go to heaven and some to go to hell, then, well, I'm just going to live my life and if I'm predestined to get to heaven, I'll get there. I just said, I will pray for you. It's not even worth a dialogue at that point. That's just foolishness. It's absolutely not biblical thinking. It's a way of life that is reckless, rebellious, stinks of disobedience, pride. That's not how this works. He expects certain things of us. The Lord does. We are not robots no more than my children are robots. I wish they were sometimes, but they're not. 
You know, you just walk over, pull the batteries. <laughs> reprogram them. We are not robots. Listen, every one of us has free will, and it is so beautiful. And that's how God set this up. And the real reason he set it up like this is because he wants us to choose to have a relationship with him. He doesn't want to force us into relationship. How many fathers in the house love it or have loved it? Because maybe your kids are in that stage that are just too cool to sit on dad's knee, you know. But run over, sit on your knee. Dad, I love you. It's beautiful. Rather than, hey, son, you haven't sat on my knee in a while and told me you love me. Get over here now. See the difference? It's free will. It's our choice. It's our choosing. So many choices in this Christian life. So many choices to make. But if you rest on the sovereignty of God, you'll make right choices. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 9 to 21. For we are God's fellow workers. We can have the worship team return. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. And another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Apparently, we're building. Apparently, we're freely building. Let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with, well, I guess we got choices to make here, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it, what sort it is. And if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God? And I, I ask all of us here, because we might hear that and just say, yeah, this place is the temple of God, I get it. But it's pointed at the individual here. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, wow, a lot of, a lot of I don't know if we can call it wisdom, but floating around this old world. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool, that he may become wise. Wow, that is so not like what the world preaches. Let him become a fool that he may become wise, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. 
For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men. You know, the good news tonight, and I really pray that it's good news for you, is that our God is in control. Our God is in control. We still have free will. That's also good news. Perhaps you're here tonight and you say, I wish I didn't have free will (laughs) because I keep struggling, stumbling, and making a mess of things. Well, the Lord will help you. The Lord is faithful to help all of us. He's real good at cleaning up dirty people. He's real good at fixing broken lives. In fact, that's the business that he runs, saving souls, changing lives forever. Our God is in control. For a God less than sovereign could not bestow moral freedom upon his creatures. He would be afraid to do so. Let that sink in tonight. He would be afraid to do so if he was not sovereign. Even now, I know how these things work right now. We may be struggling in the mind, in the space of thinking, trying to figure this message out, trying to figure things out, trying to rationalize and understand with human comprehension. The answer The answer is to let go and to lay our heads on the pillow of God's sovereignty. Because until we do, the pillow will give no rest, for it will be to us for all our days a stumbling block. Oswald Chambers said these words, Never believe that the so-called random events of life are anything less than God's appointed order. He went on and said, resting in the Lord does not depend on external circumstances at all, but on your relationship to God himself. And I wonder, is that true for your life, for your family, for your home? Is it true for you that resting in the Lord does not depend on external circumstances at all, but on your relationship with Him? Trust in the Lord. Let us lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, let us acknowledge Him. He'll direct our path. He'll work all things out for his glory. And he is resting in the sovereignty of God. Resting in the sovereignty of God. You know, I thought about it. I was a child once. And again, now I have children. And you know, my children aren't worried. They're not. They trust in my provision. 
They trust in my protection. They trust in my promises. They trust in my preparation. They trust in the sovereignty of the home. I think we should be the same. Like, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and you know, everything's going to work out. Like, he'll take care of us. But isn't it true that we just don't understand sometimes why things happen? We know it's true. But I pray that somehow tonight these words help. That we would be a people at rest in a world of chaos. A people at rest in a world of calamity, in a world of fears and fighting, a world of divorce and disunity and hatred and violence and words and pains and torments, that we'd be a people at rest in a world full of news reports. Hallelujah. You know, tonight might be the night for you where you finally make a decision to lay your head down on the sovereignty of God. Lord, I've been trying to figure everything out. These questions, I've been trying to figure them out. I've been the one wanting to understand. I want to know everything. I want to know every detail before I trust in your sovereignty, before I rest in your dominion. And this kind of approach has left you in unrest. Well, the only solution is to find rest. To lay your head down. Yes, your head space. The place of human understanding where the battle rages. To lay it down on the pillow of God's sovereignty. Just to rest. Just to rest. Or perhaps you're here tonight and you've never surrendered to the Lord. You've never surrendered to the sovereignty of God. Never made a decision to give your life to Jesus, to embrace the gospel message, the good news of salvation. Tonight can be that night. Tonight can be the night where you find true rest. True rest. Let's stand. We're going to pray and you know, if that's you, first off, I'd like to say the altar is always open. If you need prayer for anything, this is a house of prayer. And brothers and sisters will stand with you, lay hands on you. And no need is too great, no need is too small. Whatever it is tonight, if you'd like someone to pray with you, please just make your way forward, even if it has nothing to do with the message. But if that's you in these moments, just... In these next few moments, you can come forward if you like. I'm not going to 
ask you to, but if you struggled with the sovereignty of God and you're saying tonight, I want to lay my head down. It's killing me. And you know that the Holy Spirit is saying to you tonight, you need to lay your head down on the pillow of God's sovereignty. That's you. Surrender. Say, Lord, I'm laying my head down. You know the thoughts. And if you're here tonight and you want to surrender to Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, finally surrendering to the sovereignty of God, it's the greatest decision you'll ever make. The greatest decision you'll ever make. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for who you are. Lord, as your spirit's moving in this house right now, as your spirit is tugging on hearts and speaking to people, Lord, I just want to exalt you. I want to say thank you for being sovereign. What a mighty God we serve. Lord, truly you are the one in whom there is no shadow of turning. It says in your word, and it is a reality, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. How do we know you're sovereign? It's because you're the first, the last, the beginning, and the end. You're the Alpha, and you're the Omega, Lord. Lord, I pray that your people would find rest like they've never found rest before. So many forces come upon our lives. The enemy comes to shake us and cause us to question the sovereignty of God because of external forces and external circumstances and sometimes, Lord, even internal things like, like those times we're facing, sickness in the body. Lord, things we don't understand. Why are they happening? Why, why am I going through this? But Lord, I pray that we would never question your sovereignty. Lord, even though we wrestle in those moments, even though we have to fight the good fight of faith, Lord, and lay hold of your purpose, O oh God, and come to understand your purpose, Lord, as you reveal it to us. I pray that we would be a people that would not question your sovereignty, but rather we would exalt your sovereignty, magnify your sovereignty, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.